Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. If you wouldn't mind standing just one more time as we honor the Word of God and we read. I got two quick scriptures for you. And uh, one, I'm actually going to read, and I don't think it's going to be on the screen. So if you bought, brought your Bible tonight, you get a little bonus, you get a little extra. That's what happens when you bring a real Bible. I heard somebody say one time, what you going to do when that iPad dies and you don't got your sword? I was like, well, guess I'm going to be out of luck. I hope I, I hope I got it memorized. But hey, go with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 38. Just want to share one quick or two quick scriptures, and then we're going to get started. John chapter 6, verse 38 says, For I have come down from heaven. Just think about that for a moment. Coming down from heaven. Can you imagine being the God of the universe, infinite, expansive, bigger than we can even fathom, and coming down and being a human? Come on, I don't know about you, but sometimes being a human's hard. I get tired. I get hungry, came down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will, to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. Now flip over with me a few, a few books to Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, and I believe they have verse 8 up here, but as I was studying just a little bit before service, I was like, hey, we, we quote this scripture a lot around here at Riverside, and you may not know the full kind of context, and so I wanted to just give it to you all. So I'm going to start in actually verse uh, 6, chapter 2, verse 6, it says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience, somebody say obedience, to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Not just a normal death, but a criminal's death. Therefore, God who elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Come on, if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Come on, why don't we just praise him? Lift your hands with me as we bless the sermon. Dear Lord, I pray that you would speak to us tonight. Allow these not to be my words, but to be your words. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, that you would open our minds to receive, that you would open our ears to hear. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen, amen. Hey, hey, if you're having a seat, I want you to turn around and tell somebody my title tonight. Because I said so. Because I said so. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat. High five somebody. Because I said so. Now, we have all been victims of these four words. Come on, can we be honest? And I know our teenagers are gone. I know our kids are gone. So parents in the room, be honest with yourselves. How many of you have used this before? Come on. 
I know the parenting books don't say it. I know, you know, you're not supposed to do it. But every once in a while, after all of those, why, Mom? Why, Dad? Why? I just don't, why? why? Because I said so. Because I, because, because I own this house, and I pay the bills, and because I brought you into this world, and I will take you out of this world. <laughs> Come on, some mamas in there just got, that was a good amen. Some of you. I can tell what kind of week it's been already. Come on. We're going to pray at the end of service. But because I said so, I, I don't want to explain it. I don't want to talk about it. I may not even know how to explain it. I just know you need to pick up your clothes, and you need to wash the dishes, and you need to wake up on time. Come on. You're 27 years old. I'm just playing. Because I said so. I, I mean, I have some trauma from these four words. Because I said so. It, 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 it's just so simple because I am the one in authority, because you're the parent, because you're the grandparent, maybe because you're the, the, the teacher. It's, hey, I, I don't really have to explain. It's just because I said it, because I'm the one in authority here, because I know what's going on. I know more than you. I work with teenagers every day, and it's sometimes frustrating because I just want to be like, hey, I know more than you. Like, I know this is hard to comprehend. You are 15 years old. I know more than you. I, I know you know everything right now, but trust me, you don't. And, and we want people to understand, just can you just please do what I want you to do? Can you just please obey? Can you please just submit? Will you please just listen? And we get this question back, why though? Why? Why? And as we look back at the resurrection and as we look back at the, the Easter story, the, the, the story of Jesus' week leading up to the cross, I can imagine the disciples were asking this question, why, why, why do you have to go to the cross? Why do you have to go to Jerusalem? Jesus, you know if you go to Jerusalem, that's where all the Pharisees are. That's where the Sanhedrin is. That's where the Roman police are. If you go to Jerusalem, you're going to get arrested. They're going to kill you. Why do you have to do it? I can just imagine Jesus looking after all these years of putting up with these knuckleheads that we now call apostles, Come on, they were knuckleheads. You may not realize this, but many of the apostles were in their late, mid, late teens, and they were just coming up in life. They really didn't know a whole lot about the world, and Jesus is discipling them. He's teaching them about life. He's teaching them about the kingdom, which we've been learning about, and sometimes I can just imagine him saying, John, because I said so. And we see this, they, every time Jesus does a miracle, every time he tells a parable, they come, Jesus, I just don't understand. And he tells them, you're not going to understand yet. There's some things that until I go to the cross, until I usher in this new covenant, you're not going to get it. You're not going to understand it. You just need to trust me because I said so. Because I said so. And, and a lot of times we don't want to trust God. We want to know why. And I can imagine while we're asking God, why, why am I going through this in my life right now? Why am I struggling with this right now? Why do I keep seeing this same cycle happen over and over and over again? Why am I having resistance in this area of my life? Why, why, why? I can imagine God just being like, I wish you would trust me, but I can imagine as we're asking God why, he's looking back and he says, I, I wish you would just watch. Instead of asking why, I wish you would just watch what I'm about to do. 
I, I wish you would just watch and look for all that I have for your life. For all of the things that are coming because there's a promise coming. Come on, there's a resurrection coming. Come on, the Holy Spirit's about to come. There's some big things that are about to happen, and I don't want to get ahead in our semester, but we're about to go into the book of Acts. We're about to talk about the promise of the Holy Spirit. We're about to talk about the, the gospel spreading all around the, the known world. There's a lot of things that are coming, but you've got to trust me right now. You've got to obey me right now. And what I love about Jesus is that he doesn't just tell us to obey. He sets the example. He shows us that even God of the universe, even the, the, the biggest, most unfathomable being that we can comprehend, even he submitted himself to obedience. And so when we're asking ourselves, why, 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 I can imagine Jesus being like, you know, I, I, want, I knew you would ask this. I knew you would go through this. And so I, I wanted to give you some examples of why you should obey God's plan, why you should submit yourself, because Yes, there's power coming. There's promise coming. Yes, there's a, a, a hope and a future for you, Jeremiah says. Yes, there's blessings coming in your life. Yes, there's healing coming in your life. But you will not be able to get to those things unless you obey me. I felt like God spoke this to me, that the prerequisite for power is obedience. The prerequisite for power is obedience. I almost titled the sermon that, the prerequisite for power. Because a lot of us want power, we want authority, come on, we want authority in the kingdom, we want authority in our lives, we want authority in the spirit realm. But we have to submit to God to obey him, to follow him. Jesus said that if you love me, keep my commandments, obey me, and then you'll receive the power. So God doesn't always tell us what he's going to do or why he's doing it, but I think even Jesus himself gave us the example that even if you don't understand why, even if he hasn't told you what he's doing, you have to trust him. You have to trust him. Because there are times that are dark, there are times that are difficult, there's times that you're not gonna understand what, what's going on, and you have to lean back on, I am trusting God in this circumstance because he told me so. And now you got to be careful because sometimes we'll tell ourselves and we'll be like, yeah, God told me to do this. But did he tell you to do it, though? <laughs> you got to be careful with that one. You got you to really, really lean into that. But if God told you to do it, you can trust God because he always has a plan. He's always working it together for your good. He's always steps and steps ahead of you. He's not three steps ahead of you, not five steps ahead of you. He's about a million steps ahead of you. The Bible says that he knows the end from the beginning, that he's in all places at all times. And so even though you don't know, you have to trust him. And so Pastor Bobby talked about this kingdom power. And I want to talk to you about the power. But again, I believe that for us, in order for us to get to the power, we have to go through the test of obedience. That every point of your life, you're going to have different tests of obedience. You're going to have different things that try to pull you away from the will of God, that try to pull you away from the plan of God. Because here's the thing, if Jesus had to go through it, you're going to have to go through it. If even Jesus was tempted to leave his calling and leave his purpose, you're like, Jesus tempted, I'm going to show you in just a second. But if even Jesus went through that before the power, we're probably going to go through that too. 
Romans chapter 6 tells us that the same spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. If you are a believer, that same power lives in you. And the way that you access that power is through obedience. Look at somebody say obedience. And so now I just want to slow down for a few minutes and I just want to talk to you about a few different areas where you're going to be tempted to not obey God. Come on, because we, we want to talk about obeying God. We want to talk about following God. But if we're being honest, all of us have temptations. All of us have things that pull us away from staying in alignment with his will. And the first thing that I believe that pulls us away from obedience is opportunities. And so the first point that I want to give you is that obedience is more important than opportunities. Obedience is more important than opportunities. Matthew chapter 4, and also found in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Spirit. And I don't have time to go into this. I've taught on it before, but it's interesting that the Spirit leads him into the wilderness. A lot of times we think a wilderness season is always from the devil. A dry season is always from the devil. That, that man, I must have missed God. I must have, where did I sin? Where did I go wrong? I must have not prayed enough. I'm not, but no, it says that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. And I think the reason that he went into the wilderness is because he had a time to prepare for the temptation. I don't think it was the Spirit that tempted him, but the Spirit led him so that he could be tempted, again, as an example for us. Jesus is our example in all things. He was fully God, but he was also fully man. So in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, we read this. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, this is why you got to know the word of God, because sometimes you can't say, well, get away from me, devil. No, you got to say, the scriptures say, the Bible says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. A lot of times we think we can obey God and obey our desires and obey our feelings. But the Bible says that you can't serve two masters. You'll either love one and hate the other or hate one and love the other. So serve only him. Come on, we talked about in our kings and kingdoms, the first part where many of the kings, they still worship God, they still worship Elohim, but they would also bring in idols. They would also bring in false gods. And so it's not just worshiping the, the God of the universe, Yahweh, Jesus, as a God, as an option, but as the only God. And then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. Will you obey God or will you chase opportunities? Will you obey God and will you, or will you chase opportunities? There will always be opportunities that will take you out of the will of God. And sometimes they're obvious, sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's easy, okay? You are not called to be a stripper. Let me just, it's pretty easy. Felt the anointing of Pastor Bobby coming on me there for a second. Okay, I can tell you right now that you're, you, the business that God has put inside of you is not a street pharmaceutical business. I'll just, five people got that. I'm gonna just, a few of you got that. Okay, those are easy. Those are, those are real simple. But what about the job opportunity that gives you $20,000 more a year, but you have to miss church three Sundays out of the month? Pastor Alex, this is really gonna be good for my children. 
It's really, maybe we can put them in a private Christian school. Maybe, maybe we can go on more vacations. Maybe I can do more for my spouse. Yeah, but you'll also be disconnected from spiritual family. You'll be disconnected from the word of God. And I'm not saying that you can't connect with God outside of church, but I'm just saying there are priorities in your life. And there are some opportunities that seem good at first, but it's, it's not a God opportunity. There's opportunities that come into your life, maybe a relationship where you're like, man, I've been praying for a man. I've been praying for a woman. I've been praying for this incredible, and and here's this person in front of me, but they don't really, you know, they don't really believe in God. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, and, you know, they're not really, you know, pursuing me, and they're not really living righteously, and, but they're in front of me, and this is an opportunity. I've been praying for this opportunity. God, is this the opportunity that you've given me? It's very, very easy for us to confuse the opportunities in front of us. Think about this for a moment. Jesus is the king of the universe. Like he was gonna be seated as king of kings and lord of lords. But in that moment, Satan is offering him a very close, a very similar opportunity as being king of the earth. Come on, the Bible says that the earth is his footstool. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And so the devil saying, hey, I'll give you the earth. Isn't that what you're coming to do is, is set up a kingdom? Isn't that what you're coming to do? But it's not the opportunity that God had placed in front of him. Uh, when we were first planning our church in Austin, uh, my wife was, was going uh, job hunting and looking for different jobs. And I remember this one job opportunity she had uh, would have been great financially and when she went into the job, we knew that it was kind of not going to be great because we knew that the priority was pastoring the church and starting the church. And, you know, the, the, the person that was trying to recruit her was saying, well, this will be really good because, you know, you can make a lot of money and you can really help the church because you'll be making a lot of money. And it's like, yeah, but I won't be there to help the church and lead the people and to pastor the people. And I'm just using that example, please make a lot of money. If that's what God's called you to do, come on, make that money. Come on, if it lines up for you, I'm not saying that you have to turn down all those opportunities. I'm just saying, is the opportunity that God has put in front of you, is that you staying in obedience and in alignment with what God has for you? So obedience is more important than opportunities. The second thing is obedience is more important than opinions. Obedience is more important than opinions. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. Why, Jesus? Why? Why? Because I said so. He told them plainly. Have you ever had to tell your children plainly this is how it's going to be? Somebody just said amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, brother. And that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter, Peter, Peter took him aside. Come here, Jesus. Come. I love you. I love you. You, you, know, I, you were preaching good. Come on, I know you, that prophetic word, it was so good, but I just need to, I need to tell you. And Peter began to reprimand him for saying such things. Jesus, how dare you say you have to go to Jerusalem? Can you just imagine reprimanding Jesus? Is Jesus the Messiah, but is also Jesus your boss? It's also Jesus your rabbi. Like, this is a pretty important figure in your life. He says, heaven forbid, Lord. 
this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. Your opinion is a trap. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. From Peter's point of view, he was right. The opinion was right from a human view. From all the information that he had, he was trying to be a good friend. He was trying to be a good supporter. But it wasn't from God's point of view. The disciples didn't want him to go to the cross. They didn't want him to die. They wanted him to usher in the kingdom. They wanted an earthly kingdom. They wanted an army. They wanted to kick out the Romans. That's what they wanted. They didn't want Jesus to die and to, to resurrect. They didn't understand all that yet. It was still confusing to them. If you're in church and you're like, I still don't get this, these guys actually hung out with Jesus every day for three and a half years, and they still didn't understand. So if you've been coming to church for a while and you're like, I don't really get all this, you are in good company. Don't worry. Keep coming. You're going to get it. Come on. Let's give a hand clap for everybody that's new to church. So they didn't want him to die. They didn't want him to go into a situation that was going to be hard, a situation that was going to be difficult. But in order for him to obey God, he was going to have to go against the opinions of people, even people that loved him, even people that cared about him. It's not always the, the opinions of people that are against us and the opinions of people that hate us. It's easy to disregard those opinions. It's the people that have been walking with you for a long time. It's the people that really love you. It's the, it's the people that have helped you get where you were. Maybe they, they helped you overcome stuff in the past. They've, they've helped you along the way so much, but now their opinion is starting to take you away from God's obedience. Trusting Peter would have been a trap. It would have made all the sense in the world from a human point of view. Of course, I don't want to get arrested. Of course, I don't want to die on a cross but it would have been a trap. It would have taken him out of the obedience, the path that God had given him, and it would have ruined the power of the cross. Because again, all of this that we're talking about, we're talking about the power of the cross. We're talking about the most important moment in history that literally our calendar hinges on this moment, before the cross, after the cross, before Jesus, after Jesus. This is the most important moment that has ever happened, and someone's opinion could have ruined the power of that moment. Same thing happened with Paul in Acts chapter 21. Paul is a missionary. He started churches. If you don't know who Paul is, he wrote majority of the New Testament. He was started churches all over the known world at the time. Incredible missionary, incredible story of redemption in his life. And later in his life, he knew that the government was catching up to him. He knew that he was going to be arrested soon, that he was going to go to trial. He knew that he would probably die as a martyr, which he did eventually. And some of his friends, some of his loyal people that loved him actually got a prophetic word because God had sent him to Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter 21, these people get a prophetic word, and it was a true prophetic word. They said, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be arrested. So we don't think you should go to Jerusalem. The prophetic word was true, but instead of looking at this as an opportunity to obey God, instead of looking at this as a moment to follow God, to live the power of the gospel, to live as a missionary, as an evangelist, to do what God had called him to do, instead of using it as a confirmation in his calling, they were using it as an opportunity to take him out of his calling. 
And so Peter turns around and he gives them this response. He says, I'm willing to go to Jerusalem and be arrested and even die for the sake of the gospel. Your opinion is not going to take me away from obeying God, from following God. And so we have to look around our lives. We can't always trust people's opinions. Sometimes we can't even trust our own opinions because we would do things a different way. God, I don't want to do things that way. I don't want to follow you in that step. I mean, that's the story of my life, really, these past uh, several months and really past several years, me and my wife, where it's like, this is not what we would have done. This is not our opinion, but every time we take a step, we see more of God's view and less of our view. Let me, let me, let me, just, let me just use this as, as an example real quick. This is in my notes, but we'll do this. Okay, what, what color do you see? What color is this book? No, it's not. It's white. Because what I see is white. What you see is black. So you don't have the full view. And many times in our life, God has a view of something. He has an answer for something. He has a provision for something. He has a divine relationship, a kingdom relationship that you can't see right now. And until you step in obedience, until you take that step of faith, because really that's all obedience is, is faith. Taking a step of faith, you won't be able to see all that God has for you. So it's more important than opinions. The next thing is obedience is more important than obstacles. Obedience is more important than obstacles in life. Luke chapter 22 verse 41 says this. He walked away about a a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him, and he prayed more fervently, and he was such, in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. It's interesting to me that both of those passages we read that after Jesus submitted and said, I want God's will and not my will, the angel showed up and strengthened him. Isn't, isn't that encouraging that when we submit to God's will, it's like, I don't know how I'm gonna make through this. If you will just take that step, he really didn't do anything. It was just a few words. And as soon as he submitted, the angel showed up and strengthened him. I wanna encourage somebody that's going through some obstacles right now. Somebody that's facing some opposition in your life. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a boss that has it out for you. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe uh, it's a relational issue. Maybe it's something with your kids. Maybe it's something in your, your, your marriage right now. And it is an obstacle that you can't seem to get over. Jesus knows where you're at. Jesus has been through some opposition. He's been through some stress. Come on, this is the middle of the night. I don't know about you, but have you ever been in the middle of the night stressed about some things, anxious about some things? You can't sleep. Okay, this is exactly where Jesus is in this moment. All of his friends, he brought them to pray with him. They were gonna have a prayer meeting. They all fell asleep and Jesus is there praying by himself. All of his friends left. They, they're, they're nowhere around. It's just him. He's stressed. He's anxious. But God, not my will, your will be done. And the angels came. They strengthened him. And, and as, I was, as I was reading this passage today, something just kind of popped out to me. I think we need to change our view on obstacles and opposition in our life. Because when we talk about an obstacle, when we talk about coming something coming against us, a lot of times we use this phrase, I just gotta, I gotta get over it. 
Like, I've, I've got to get past this. I've got to get on top of this. I've got to move beyond this. And all of those phrases are talking about going on top of something, on moving up. And I begin to think even about Jesus when he's carrying the crossbeam of the cross up the hill called Golgotha, that even as he's going to the point of his execution, and just give me a little, a little allegorical liberty here, that even as he's going to the cross, he's going up. His opposition is actually taking him higher. That there are things in your life that, yes, they may be pressing you, they may be stressing you, they may be straining you, but because it is in your life, it is forcing you to go higher. It's forcing you to pray more. It's forcing you to have more faith. It's forcing you to read books about your marriage. It's forcing you to get counseling. It's forcing you to come to church. There's opposition in your life, but this is what it is. The opposition is actually an opportunity. How are you gonna respond to this opportunity? And I know that's crazy. You're like, how could this be a good thing? But what if this good thing is meant to take you higher? What if it's meant to give you a different point of view? What if it's meant to get you over some things, to take you beyond some things, that if you will stay in alignment with God, if you will obey God, the same power that is in God is gonna give you the power over this obstacle, over this opposition, over this addiction, over this problem, that the obedience is the power, that when you obey, you get the power. Come on, somebody look at somebody and say, I got the power. After all that preaching, I had to just, you know, I had to cool it down for a moment. So he went up. He went up. The last one, it sounds like the youth is having an incredible time out there. I'm sorry, I am extremely ADHD. And so I am trying my best to stay right here. But I'm thinking about cane sauce and basketball. And here we go. Number four. Number four. And worship team, you guys can come. Number four, obedience is more important than outcome. Obedience is more important than outcome. Because if we didn't see the full story of redemption, if we were just Jesus's friend and didn't understand what the cross meant, when Jesus went to the cross and in those three days that he was in the tomb, we would be like, this is a horrible outcome. This, God, this turned out horribly. I trusted you. I put my faith in you. I tithed. I read my Bible. I prayed. And this turned out horribly. Come on, can we just be honest? I think this is where many people begin to lose their faith is because, God, I did all the things that I was supposed to do. And the outcome is not what I expected. It's not what I wanted. It's not how I thought it should have been done. God, why are you doing it this way? Why, God, why do I have to go? Why? Because I said so. Because I said so. Because you don't understand the outcome. You don't understand what he's doing in those three days. You don't understand that Jesus is going down and taking the, the keys to death, hell, and the grave. You, you, you don't understand that, that in just a few weeks that the Holy Spirit's gonna be poured out on Pentecost and that the gospel's gonna go all around the world. You don't understand the outcome yet. This, this is perfect. Keep it right there. Matthew chapter 27. At noon, 
darkness. It's not funny, darkness. Darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. And at about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. Eli, Eli, lama shabbatani, which means my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? God, why have you abandoned me? God, why did my family abandon me? God, why did that ministry hurt me? God, why did I lose my job? God, why did I get that diagnosis? God, I've been obeying you. The outcome isn't what I wanted. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling out for the prophet Elijah. And one of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine. I'm already dying and now somebody's gonna come put some sour wine in my mouth. Somebody's gonna talk about me. Somebody's gonna lie about me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get evicted and holding it up so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes and saves him. They still don't even believe he's Jesus, that he's the Messiah. They're like, let's see if Elijah can save him. Because Elijah never died. He went into heaven, so maybe he'll come down and he'll save this, this guy from Nazareth this carpenter's son, this illegitimate child, his mom still says that she was given birth and she'd never been intimate with a man. This guy, let's see if Elijah saves him. This is not the outcome I expected. This is not the outcome I wanted. Then Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. He released his spirit. With all power, we know that he could have called the angels, that he could have come off of the cross, that in a moment his physical body could have been completely healed, that he could have been restored, that the dehydration, the blood loss, the pain, the agony, that in a moment he could have been healed, but he didn't. He was obedient unto the cross. He was obedient unto the death on the cross that was a criminal's death. The death that we should have gone through. The death that we deserved. That's what Jesus went through. Because there was a power in the crucifixion. There was power in the resurrection. It's not the result I wanted. It's not the outcome I wanted. We get resurrection power when we focus on our, on our response, not the results. We get resurrection power when we focus on our response, not the results. Your responsibility is obedience. God's responsibility is the outcome. Your responsibility is obedience. God's responsibility is the outcome. Stand with me. We're closing. See, we want to know the outcome before we obey. But that's not how it works. We wouldn't need faith. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
So we've got to trust him even when we don't understand what he's doing. Even when he doesn't tell us the full story. Because again, we get the opportunity to look back and we celebrate the resurrection. But in this moment, they didn't know the resurrection was coming. They didn't know the Holy Spirit was going to come. They didn't know the world was going to be turned upside down. They didn't know 3,000 people were going to get saved in one day. They didn't know all that. But they had the choice, are we going to obey or are we going to let the perceived outcome take us out of God's will? Because we know we celebrate that it was dark and then three days later he rose again. But I think most of the time in our life it doesn't happen in three days. It's more like three years, 30 years three generations come on some of you there's been generational cycles that have been going on for generation after generation you're like when is this going to break off God when is when when are we going to see the resurrection God when are we going to see the breakthrough and will you obey in that moment because he said so because he said so here's what I love about God When God says it, it happens. See, you may be a parent and you may say, because I said so, and you can be wrong. Your your children may ask you about this or that. Maybe they ask you about a science question or a math question and you may give them an answer and you may be wrong. I know if it was a math question, I would probably be wrong. But the cool thing about God is when he says it, even if it wasn't true before, it becomes the truth. Before God said it, light didn't make sense either. Can you imagine, just put yourself as the sole person that's alive with no earth, but just imagine you're back at the creation of the universe and you're trying to fathom light. Well, like, things are dark sometimes. Wait, what's darkness? Well, darkness is when there's no light. Wait, what's light? Well, you know, light is like it kind of glows, and I can see it there, and I can see it here, but I can't really see it in the in-between, and it comes from the sun. Wait, what's the sun? It doesn't make any sense. And God's saying, hey, there's light coming in your life. God, what's light? There's answers coming to your situation. God, there's no way that you can figure out this situation. It's too messed up. It's too far gone. You're going to say to the God of the universe that spoke every single atom into existence that, God, there's no way what you're saying can be true? Because when he says it, it becomes the truth. When he says it, it becomes the truth. He said it, and it happened. He said it. And it happened. And so come on, just like he spoke the world into existence, he's spoken that we have a power, that we have a kingdom power. And so as our prayer team comes to the front, I want to say a prayer over you. Wherever you're struggling with obedience tonight, maybe you're struggling with people's opinions. Maybe it's an opinion of yourself. Maybe you're struggling with opportunities. Maybe you've got a couple different choices in front of you and you have to make a decision by Monday of this next week, whatever it may be. I want, I want you to think about what, where am I being pulled away from obeying God? And I wanna again speak to you. There's power, 
The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. If you are a believer, it lives in you. And you're like, well, I'm not a believer. Well, here's the cool thing. You are about to have a once in a lifetime. I'm just kidding. It's an anytime opportunity to receive the power from God, what we call the Holy Spirit. And so why don't you just begin to lift your hands as we begin to pray. Dear Lord, I thank you that you are obedient unto the cross. God, even though you had every opportunity to abandon us, Lord, even though we, we, we have rejected you and your word says that while we were still sinners, while we were enemies, that you died the death that we should have died. Lord, we thank you that you were obedient. Now, Lord, I just speak and declare that every person watching online, every person in this room, that you would now give us the power to be obedient to what you have called us to. Just as you were called to go to the cross and to rise again, God, I pray that you would give us the power to show up on our job and change the atmosphere in our workplace. God, give us the power to change the atmosphere in our homes. God, give us the power to be obedient in our relationships to be obedient in our sexuality. God, to be obedient in our thoughts and in our speech. God, you have the power. And so we thank you that as we are obedient to you, Lord, you are releasing the power now. And so come on, let's just begin to lift our hands. Lord, we say yes to you. Whatever you have for our life, whatever you have for our future, we say yes, God. We will obey in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, as we worship, I want to open the front. Come on, let's worship together. Come and receive prayer if you need it. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.